I want to take a minute because we have an awesome testimony that I want Matthias to share with us this morning. God has done a miracle, and I am just beyond excited for what God has done. So I'm going to have him share this morning. All right, I don't do this uh, at all, so I have to start with Scripture just because that's going to get me through this. Uh, Psalm 35, 28, it says, My tongue will declare the righteousness and praise you all the day long. Talk about a testimony, you know, like, testimony is where it's at. If you don't have a testimony, then there's nothing to follow that, right? I mean, there's nothing back up behind, there's no backup behind that, right? And so live your life as a testimony. Be that witness and be that light to to everyone. So long long story short, a guy that I know, a guy that I went to high school with a long, long time ago in Cincinnati is uh, fighting with some uh, some addiction and ended up... um, uh, relapse, uh, 10 years clean, ended up relapsing, devil got in his head, um, a lot of stress. That's what the devil comes in. devil's going to come in under stress. The devil's going to come in when you're under attack. The devil's going to come in when you're, like, down here. He's not going to come in when you're up here, so just stay up here, right? Amen. So that's how you have to, you know, that's how I feel that you should live your life is up here. You know, the devil has no way. You can't be in faith and fear at the same time. So I'm not going to preach, I promise. And so the end of the... Sounds like the, he's preaching, the, but that's okay. Uh, the, but at the end of this, so my buddy's 10 years clean. He relapsed, devil got in his life. I am 3,000 miles away, and uh, he, he relapsed three times. And the first time I was... My wife is my witness. I, I, I was in the spirit, and I'm at work, and I'm just plugging away, plugging away, just call him, call him, call him, and doesn't pick up, doesn't pick up. I call his uh, sponsor. I use an AA. He's not a believer. In AA, I call his sponsor. I said, you need to go to his house. You need to go to his house now. You need to go to his house now. Goes there and finds him completely passed out on the bed, non-responsive. They get him back alive. Ambulance has come. Good. The first time. Second time, literally two weeks later, stress. Once again, you're under attack. The devil's going to fight, fight, fight. He's going he's gonna to fight hard, you know, especially when you're under attack. That's right. Third time, no joke, my wife is my witness. I'm on the phone with his, with his girlfriend. I'm on the phone with his wife, or his girlfriend. I'm on the phone with his mom. I'm on the phone with everyone. And I'm 3,000 miles away, and he's alone. And I've called him. I said, where are you at? And he's like, I just bought, and I'm, I'm going to use tonight, blah, blah, blah. 3,000 miles away, I call his counselor, or call his girlfriend and his mom. I set up arrangements to his mom that, to go give him dinner. He doesn't even talk to his mom. And I said, go give him dinner. His mom makes dinner, go to his house, and finds him passed out again. Wow. This is spirit working through me, right? Like, I'm 3,000 miles away. Be spirit-oriented. Just listen to the voice in your head. Listen to God. Listen to that still small voice in your mind, and you can do all this. Testimony. Here comes the testimony. Sorry for the pre, pre-trip, no, but I had to get you there. And so, the, <laughs> so, on, so then third time, he relapses. And I, I, I didn't know about this one. Um, I talked to him two days prior I've been calling him all the time. You just have to, an addict, you just have to do that. You know, if you're an addict, keep in touch with somebody. Stay faithful to somebody. Stay accountable to somebody. They'll walk you right through it. So anyways, like two days later, I'm talking to him, I'm talking to him, I'm talking to him. And he relapses a third time, and my brother calls me. And my brother's friend is his neighbor. And they went over there, and he was dead on the scene. Just completely heart-stopped everything. Overdose again, third time. Then... The ambulances come and they resuscitate his heart. They resuscitate his heart and again in breathing, not breathing on his own, obviously, all in machines. A week goes by and they do MRIs and he's completely brain dead, 100% brain dead. Um, the mom, is, mom and dad have to make a decision to pull a plug. It is just the most devastating thing. And then all of a sudden I lost hope. And um, 
And I was ready to go because I'm telling you what, after the second relapse, me and my wife went there, and this kid has never talked about God, ever, ever. And I told him, you know, about a testimony. I told him about his life. I told him where he's going to go. And I was at peace with him dying because I was at peace with him dying because I knew that I did what I needed to do to get him right with God so that if he were to die, everything was going to be fine, right? And so I'm talking to his mom, and all of a sudden, Paul kind of got, Paul knows about the story through our Marco Polo app. If, guys, if you don't know Marco Polo, get on there. It'll keep you accountable. But Paul's on Marco Polo, and he kind of not prophesied. I don't know what you want to call it, but he mouthed off a scripture about, you know, Adam will not die, you know? And, and all of a sudden, Paul's like, don't, just get, have hope. Just have hope. And the mom's pulling the plug. The friends are all calling me saying, did you hear about Adam? He's dead. 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 And I'm like, guys, he's not dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. You know, he's just brain dead, but it, it, he's not dead. And I kid you not, now we're a month into this, and he's literally, you know, trach is out, breathing on his own, uh, has full momentum, walking around, playing with a ball, and it is just amazing uh, the, the, the willpower that this guy has had in the thing. So. Um, yeah, I'll be going there soon to go visit him and stuff. So, yeah, just, just be, keep praying for him. Obviously, it's going to be an uphill journey all the way, but we're praying for full recovery. But I showed Pastor Paul and I showed uh, 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 Pastor Barb a video, and it's literally of him, like, playing with a ball after, like, the, the mom and dad are definitely, like, spirit-led, too. And they, I, I called the mom the other day after seeing the video, and I was like, thank you so much for, you know, looking look, look to the spirit and, and knowing the spirit and just, and just yeah. listening to God's word. Because every doctor, I'm talking every single mm -hmm. one, completely brain dead, like completely put him down. It's not going to get any better, blah, blah, blah. So let's believe in God and keep here in your spirit and keep here in your faith. And the devil has no way to attack you. Amen. I want to testify for Matthias because he skipped the really awesome part. But when he got the news that his friend was dead, he took the day off of his job and he sat in his truck all day. I don't know, eight hours or longer. And he cried out to God for his friend's life. So that took major faith to say, I don't care what anybody else says, I'm going to talk to God about the situation. And that actually segues so good into my message today, but that wasn't planned. But thank God for a friend that will fight for you, amen, and will just say, hey, I don't care what the doctors say, we're going to believe the report of the Lord. And I'm so proud of Matthias for just standing, and there's so much more in that testimony, but wow, that's the things we're going to see, amen. We're going to see those kind of signs, wonders, and miracles when the church really steps up with courageous faith. And so, well, I'm excited. I'm on part three of Stand. And if you've missed the first two parts, I really encourage you to jump online. Take some time this week. They're only like 35 minutes long. It could be a drive somewhere. And just let the word of God begin to challenge us and stir us up and even make us a little mad. How many know sometimes the word of God will make us mad? He's like, why would you say that, Pastor Barb? I don't like it. And I always say, if the word offends you, ask God why. Ask God, what is there something inside of me that I need to work on that you need to challenge on the inside of me? So, But today, part three is called Stand Strong. You know, with the world trying to bring so much opposition against us, with people in our lives that tries to bring opposition against us, I really want to challenge you to stand strong in this hour. Don't give up in this hour. You know, I feel like God is saying, don't grow weary while doing good. It is a great season in the kingdom of God, and the devil has been throwing every 
every fiery darts that he can to discourage the believers of Christ. Amen. It's like everywhere you look, you'll feel better one day, and the next day you'll wake up with the enemy presenting something else in your face. So I just want to encourage you to stand strong in the face of opposition today because you will come through on the other side. Amen. And not only just come through, but you're going to come through victorious. You're going to come through shining. You're going to come through with the favor of God. Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit today about, we've been studying about Daniel, and now we're going to get to the story of Daniel in the lion's den. How many has heard that since you were like five years old in Sunday school class? I was talking to, with Quinn and Maya the other day. I was trying to think about those things you put on the board that tells a story, and it's the felt boards, you know, and they had the story of probably Noah's in the ark and the great whale Jonah and, and Daniel, or Daniel in the lion's den. And so we kind of get this perspective that it's a little kid's story, right? Something maybe very small, you know, these cuddly little lions just show up and Daniel cuddles with them or whatever. But I want you to get a picture of really what's going on because Daniel, when we studied a couple weeks ago in our beginning of our story, was just a young man. But now all these years later, according to the theologians, Daniel now is 80 years old. I always thought of Daniel being like this young boy facing the, getting in the lion's den. But he, here he's 80 years old and still having to trust God. If that doesn't show us that wherever we're at in our journey with Jesus, we're never really through it all. God is still going to test our faith. Amen. We're still going to go through trials. So it doesn't mean that God isn't for you. It means that God is with you in the trial. That God will give you what you need in the moment where the enemy is trying to overtake you. God will protect you and cover you if you know and remember who God is in your life. Amen. If we remember what God has done in our past. And so let's just break this down. I'm going to teach you how to stand strong in extreme opposition. Because there's a lot of opposition going in the world today and in the church and in believers. And so in this part in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is now serving under King Darius. Our last couple lessons, he was serving under King Nebuchadnezzar, but he has served under three kings, and this is King Darius at this time. And when King Darius became king, the uh, historians say that he had a strong administrative gift. So as soon as he took his position, he began to reorganize things and re-strategize and order. And so the history records would say that as soon as he came in, he began to organize 120 satraps. I think that's how you say it. And literally that means kingdom protectors. How many know we need kingdom protectors in the body of Christ? We need people that's going to stand guard and protect what God is doing in the house of the Lord, in our local church and in the church of Jesus Christ. And so there was 120 of them that were set up under King Darius. Now, under those hundred, or above those 120 were three administrators, one of them being Daniel. So Daniel was in charge of over 120 people that were taking care of the kingdom and watching over it. And their job was this. It was to prevent rebellion from coming into the kingdom. It was to levy the taxes, and it was to guard the national financial matters, right? So that's kind of where we're at in this story. Daniel's now 80. He's number two in the kingdom, and now he's got some responsibility. So let's look at this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Isn't that powerful? 
that if we protect the body of Christ, we will protect it in a way that we won't suffer loss. That means we walk in love and we walk in compassion. We walk in wisdom. And those are the things that I talked about a couple weeks prior. Now, Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him above the whole kingdom. So he's about to be promoted. Now, if you look all through Daniel's life, he had an excellent spirit on the inside of him. David always went over and above to do what God's called him to do. And so he stood out in his life. So the king said, I look at Daniel, and even though everybody else has the same qualifications, that excellent spirit and sign of Daniel made him rise up above the others. See, because you have God in you, the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you may think that you just blend in with the world. You may think you're limited in promotion or what God has for your life because of education or your insecurities. But when you know God is in you, when you have that excellent spirit on the inside of you and you know God is there, you will rise above whatever everybody else be being promoted over. So we've really got to get out of this natural mindset of God favoring me and giving me blessings in my life. No, I have the great I am living on the inside of me. And if I live with character and integrity and I do the right things, God will move me above others. Others. Amen. I'm so thankful for that spirit because in my natural, I would not have been able to be promoted in my life. But because of the God in me, and I knew the word of God, and God is so faithful in my life, God always found a way to promote me past other people, not because of my perfect ability, but because of his favor in my life. And God wants the same thing for your life. Amen. So this sounds good and it looks good. David's or Daniel's getting promoted. You know, he's being favored with the king. But how many know there's opposition that happens when you start being promoted? There's people who don't like you being blessed by God. The enemy doesn't like it when you make a stand. When you decide to make some um, uh, you know, stands for God, some truth with God's word, you make some decisions in your life. I'm going to start you know, serving God. I'm going to start being in the word of God. I'm going to start giving to the house of the Lord. And you make these bold stands. Guess what? The enemy is going to be on your tail to try to discourage you and wipe you out. Has anybody ever been there before in your walk of faith? Absolutely, because that's the enemy's job. So what happened? The two other administrators, because Daniel shined for Jesus, they got jealous. And they wanted that honor from the king. They wanted that position. So what did they do? They tried to falsely accuse Daniel. Has anybody ever been falsely accused before? If you ask me what is, makes me the most angry in my life, where I could get a lot of carnality coming out of me, is when people falsely accuse me. When I hear that people lied about me and I hear people told stories about me that absolutely were not true, it enrages me because I feel like there's nothing I can do to vindicate myself or there's nothing I should do to try to vindicate myself because when you try to vindicate yourself, you just make that hole a lot bigger and it makes yourself look really bad. So when you are in this position and people are coming against you and the enemy is coming against you trying to discourage you, you can feel helpless and vulnerable. And it's in that moment where you have to go, I'm going to trust God in this season. You may feel all alone. You may feel like nobody else is standing with you holding up your arm, but I'm telling you, you got God the Father, got the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit that's coming alongside of you. So don't throw in the towel. Don't grow weary. Keep doing what you're doing and be faithful. Amen. So they begin to falsely accuse him and they decided, what can we do to take him down? 
Man, if I ever thought the enemy had an assignment to take down believers, it's right now. What can I do to cut out their faith, to cut out their hope, to cut out their joy? The devil's trying every little tactic he can to try to bring us down. I think the church needs to rise up with some righteous anger, don't you? And say, devil, not today. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal my friendships. You're not going to rob me of my peace. I'm going to stand until I see the redemption of the Lord on my side. So we're going to watch what Daniel did when all the enemy came against him and all he wanted to do was do right. Have you ever just wanted to do right? I'm just trying to serve Jesus. Leave me alone. I'm just trying to build a church. Let me make decisions without putting me under a microscope. Amen. Sometimes you're like, just let me be. But I'm telling you, it's not going to be like that. People are always going to try to undercut what God is doing in your life. So let's see what Daniel did. He stepped into strong, supernatural strength knowing that God was for him. What does the Bible say? If God be for you, who can be against you? So we stand, God, you're on my side. You see me. You favor me. You bless me. You anoint me. It doesn't matter what man has to say about me. It's only what you have to say about me, God. Amen? And that kind of faith only comes through what? That relationship with Jesus. And we've talked about that extensively over the last few weeks. Are we really in this relationship with God? Are we into the word of God and really letting the word of God nourish our soul? Which we'll talk about here in just a minute. So number one. I'm going to show you three truths to help you to stand strong in the resistance or opposition in your life. Number one, when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Just kind of wait for it, right? When you get that promotion or you get that vision or that dream or that idea and you start making some absolute truths in your life, be expecting, okay, where's it going to come? Because when you're expecting, you can sit back and go, but God in my life. Amen? I told some of our ladies, I think it's later in my, in my notes, but I've decided in this season, I realize that every time God is like doing something amazing in my life, I'll go home and somebody will send me a text or something will happen and the devil just tries to knock me out. And you know, I, I literally now, I told the girls, I just sit back and laugh. I'm like, you know, the Bible says he fills my mouth with laughter and my lips with shouts of praise. And I can't let the opinions of man or what people think take away my joy. Why? Because my battle's not against flesh and blood. My battle isn't that text or that person. It's the enemy that's trying to discourage me to get me to look to the left or look to the right instead of looking into Jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the one that's going to get me there anyway. He's the one that loves me in all my insecurities and fears. He's the one that's faithful. He's the miracle way maker. Come on, somebody. Stop looking at everything else and let's get our eyes back on Jesus. Some of us need to be like those horses that they're trying to train and just put those blinders on. The devil's going to go, nope, I'm going to look into Jesus. You're not going to steal my joy, devil. I'm going to look to Jesus in this season, amen. I'm not going to be divided. I'm not going to be pulled apart. Because I'm telling you, church, and I've been saying this for a few years, and sometimes when the prophet talks first, the prophetic word, it sounds loud before the event. So just hear me by the Spirit. There is a move of God coming to this city and to North Phoenix, Arizona, and to Faith Builders Church. They'll not be any time short that you're not going to be able to get in this door. They're going to line up around the building looking for a move of God. Not just this church, but I'm talking churches around the world are going to be filled with the glory of God and the move of God. It's almost like the enemy can smell that assignment. 
You know, he knows the word of God, right? He knows that. So we know this move of God, this awakening is happening. So if he can beat the believers down, if he can get us fighting over tits and all that, tats and all that kind of stuff, if he can get us fighting about all this, I was going to say tit and tats. I don't know. Is that a word? I'm sorry. It's out there. You can just, it happened. I'm going to try to preach through it, but why? Like, I said it. (laughs) Anyway. If the enemy can get us fighting, this whole last week, there's more disgruntles about stuff happening in the kingdom. Let's stop it. Let's realize it is the enemy bringing another form of division in the body of Christ. We need to sit back and laugh and say, wow, God's about to do something pretty good. Or the enemy wouldn't try to be dividing so hard in this season. Put all the things, and I've been saying this for five years, put all our differences on the shelf. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. God gave the disciples one assignment. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news of salvation. That should be the first thing on our mouth. Let's forget about debating over all this other stuff. Right? Come on, somebody. Not everybody's going to be excited for you. Right? You may get a promotion. People are going to be jealous about it. God may give you, a, give you a word, you're going to be a stay-at-home mom. Your family members might be critical of it. You might decide to homeschool your children. Fifty people going to have a negative opinion about it, right? You might get blessed. Other ministries might grow. There may be these things, but guess what? The enemy's going to try to knock you out. Just like the, the story that we heard, the devil tried to kill that boy three times and almost succeeded. Well, actually, he did, but God brought him back because he has a purpose and a plan. If you look at some things, I don't know if uh, Denise is familiar with this, but in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, there's this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. Has everybody ever heard of it? It's a tall poppy syndrome. What happens is when people start to get blessed or be elevated or promoted, there's people that it causes people to attack them and resent them and criticize them. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to cut the bottom of that poppy to stop producing fruit. That's what the enemy wants. And the church of Jesus is coming up. Guess what? The enemy is going to cause strife, accusation, criticize the church. Why? To try to cut off the neck of the church. Well, you can't cut off the bride. That ain't ever going to happen. It's like God's standing back going, okay, I'm going to give you all a minute. But I'm about to come out. I'm telling you, God's about to show up on the scene. He's had enough of his church being suppressed. He's had enough of the strife and division. He's about to let his glory shine. We won't have time to argue about our differences. We'll only be happy to celebrate people being raised from the dead, people being raised from the dead, blinded eyes open, the lame getting out of those wheelchairs. Man, I'm so excited. I tell you, God's stirring me up because I'll go through the grocery store, and I'm like, I need to pray for that person. I just feel like if I just can reach out and touch them, I know God's going to bless them. There's this spirit rising up in me, and I know it's the spirit of God just getting me ready to lead this amazing awakening that is coming to the church of Jesus Christ. If there's ever a season you should pray for your pastor, I'm asking for your prayers. Not your agenda. Just some Holy Ghost filled word of God over your pastors, pastor and pastors. Amen. There's also this thing called crab mentality. Has anybody ever heard of that? It's where they put a whole bunch of crabs in a pan, and they're all in there, and they're all thinking they're just going to die and be in there. And there's one little crab that decides, I, this ain't for me, and he starts to crawl himself out of that pan. You know what happens? All the other crabs form, grab him by whatever, and pull him back into the pan. 
That's just how the enemy is. That's just how people will be in your life. Every time you try to crawl out of it, the enemy's going to try to pull you right back into it. And guess what it's caused by? Jealousy and envy. Because they don't want to see you happy. They don't want to see you loving your church. They don't want to see you loving your pastor. They don't want to see you loving God and being set free. They're after you to pull you back into the things that used to bring you down. Scripture is clear. He says the enemy seeks out. He spies you out. He'll come in. The Bible says a person in the church will come in and spy out your liberty to bring you back into captivity. In the church. Why? Because people don't want to see you go into the kingdom of God, the things of God, the enemy. And he'll use people to pull you right back to the bondage and the garbage you used to be in in the past. When the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. And I'm going to hang on for that liberty of my soul for dear life. And the winds can come and the waves can come, but I will not be moved because I want what's ahead of me, not behind me, and what not beside me. God, what is in front of me that must be so amazing that the enemy is fighting me, opposing me left and right. He's opposing me for a reason because this breakthrough is going to be so supernatural. Let's look at verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. In other words, let's find some dirt on them. Let's find out their weaknesses. Let's find out their flaws. Aha, I knew you weren't a Christian. That's what the enemy does, huh? If it's not the accuser, the enemy accusing you, it's people. Aha, see how you, you call yourself a Christian, right? The enemy is always looking for the worst in our life. But Daniel, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. He said, oh, I may not be able to work in their private life, but let's go after their faith. Come on, somebody. Let's go after the truth of God's word that is solid from Genesis to Revelation. It is a beautiful tapestry of the will of God. What does the enemy do? Let's go after the word of God. Let's go after truth. He's been so faithful and he served God, but what about his God? There's got to be something there. Have you ever thought that because you're serving God and you're in the will of God, nothing would ever go wrong? You're like, I just went, hey, I, I'm serving Jesus. I'm going to church. I'm serving in the church. Everything's got to be going right in my life. And that's maybe for a minute when you first come to Jesus. How many remember? I call it the honeymoon phase. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden, reality hits the wall. And you have some stuff and opposition and resistance and maybe some stuff God's trying to get out of you, right? And so there's this opposition and there's, there's hard times that come against us to try to weigh us down. Like I said earlier, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. It is a spiritual battle. And listen, sometimes it will be even well-meaning people. Not everybody is evil. Not everybody is horrible. But it could be well. And sometimes that's the closest to us, that they may say or do something, and it hurts us the greatest. I mean, it can wipe our soul out so bad when it's someone we love so dearly, can it? So we have to be ready to face opposition when you obey God. Be ready. I'm not looking. I'm not devil conscious. But I'm also going to be wise and know that, boy, I've made some concrete decisions now. I'm going to be a watchful that the enemy may be on my tail, right? All right. So as I said earlier, I'm laughing at the enemy in this season. I think just laugh, guys. Sometimes your, your battle is just laughter. 
You don't have to march and stomp and bind the devil all the time, and there's times for that. Sometimes just laugh, like, nice try, right? Nice try, devil. It's not going to work. I had something almost wipe me out in the first five months of, of pastoring, the lead pastor, in 20-whatever it was. I don't remember now. Five years ago. I mean, I mean it, it could have wiped me out. I mean, literally could have wiped me out. And I just sat back at my desk after the events had occurred, and I just I said, okay, devil, nice try. Now, God, what are, you, what are you about to do? And this church exploded in the first year. Y'all were here for it. Move of God, deliverances, people being saved, healed, and delivered. Sometimes you just step back and go, nice try. God, what are you about to do? And I got my hands like this. I'm going to be a piggy for Jesus. God, what do you have? What do you have for me, the blessings for my life or my family or this church? Amen. So what did Daniel do? They knew that he was a man of prayer. They knew that he prayed every three times a day to God. And so they went and buttered up King Darius, however they did that. How many know kings have pride? So they worked on the king's pride and say, nobody should be able to pray to any other God but you, King Darius. And King Darius is like, yes, you are right. Kiss my ring. I will sign the signet. That's going to be the law for the next 30 days. Nobody can pray to any other God but King Darius. Now Daniel gets this decree. What do you think Daniel do? And I know you know the story, but... Before we know the end of the story, Daniel had every opportunity to make a different choice. And we have to remember that. We see the end of the story. Yeah, God delivered him. But he had a hard choice. Imagine if they said no more prayer in America. Wow, what are we going to do? Amen. All right, faith builders, let's do it. Woo! Yes, of course we will. But remember, Daniel's 80 years old. He's been there, done that. He's probably tired. He's probably like, well, what's 30 days? I take a little break, God. 30 days, no big deal, right? He had the opportunity to stop praying. We know that. He had the opportunity to pray silently and hide it. Or he had the opportunity to keep praying and risk death. But what he didn't know is if he did do what, he, what we know he did, he went and prayed, he did not know what God was really going to do. He didn't know the end of the story. When you're stepping in faith and opposition and the enemy is coming against your soul and you decide to stand up for Jesus, I'm going to stand up for my faith. I'm going to tell the devil not today. You don't really know what tomorrow holds. You don't know the victory, and I can know it by faith, but I don't really know it. And neither did Daniel. He had every opportunity to be killed, to be put to death. But you know what? He had a righteous spirit on the inside of him. How did he have this audacious faith? How was he able to stay so strong in such an opposing situation? Number two, kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. That's why I haven't told you guys yet, those who are here Wednesday know, every Wednesday night we are meeting for prayer right here in the sanctuary. Every Wednesday night until we launch our midweek service. Because we need to be a praying church. Wednesday night was amazing. We're praying for our city. We're praying for your families and your children. We're praying for a move of God. We have to be humble and kneeling in the presence of the Lord in this season so that we can stand strong for what God is about to bring into our life. Amen? So let's look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to his home. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened up towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees. So he got down on his knees. He humbled himself. There's something about that humility. 
There's something about just lowering ourselves. If it's not kneeling, because some of us can't kneel, but just lowering our posture to say, I'm humbly coming before you, God. This is, this is not about me when I come to you, God. It's not about what I can pray and break through. No, it's just sitting in your presence, God. That's the hardest kind of praying to do. He got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he has done before. He continued to do what he always did. He didn't let fear enter into his heart to try to make different decisions. He continued serving his God the way he's always served his God. Our first response to problems should never be panic. It should always be prayer. It may be that initial, whoa, but you know, I'm going to go to God in prayer. I'm going to humble myself to God, the creator of the universe, and give to him all that I'm going through in my life. Amen. We can even listen to the language that we talk when opposition is coming against us. We forget that prayer is a privilege. And, and I've said this before. I have to be willing. Like what we do in our life is we do everything we can to control the situation, don't we? It's our first nature. Well, I'm going to get control and I'm going to change. I'm gonna, and we do everything. And then now I'm going to go to God and pray. Right? And we, we say this, well, all I can do is pray now. All I can do is pray now. And God's like, oh, all you, all you can do is rely on me now. I'm No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm the only one that you can rely on in this situation now. Do you see how backwards this is? When we have God, the creator of the universe, I don't have to pray. I get to pray. I have the privilege of opening up my mouth and telling God, I am afraid. I am disappointed. I am discouraged. God, I think I've lost my faith. I'm about to give up hope, but you are the great I am. You are the alpha and the omega. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Your prayers can declare the word of God that changes the atmosphere may not quite change the situation yet but it will change the atmosphere that you are facing you have the ability in prayer to go to the throne room of God through prayer you have ability that says um, whatsoever is on uh, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so through our prayer I can take all the benefits of heaven and bring them down here to earth Whatever you're facing, there's an answer in heaven. But we have to be willing to humble ourselves in our time and out of our emotions to pray to a living, all-powerful God that my prayers can change situations around. And isn't that good? We have a petition to the God of the universe. We have access to the very creator and the sustainer of the earth. We have an audience with God who cares about the intimate needs of your life. Prayer is not a religious thing. It is a supernatural tool to change situations in your life. But why is it always our last result? resort? Why? Because it can be boring. Oh, Pastor Barr, I can't believe you said that. Till you get into your prayer. And you have to take that first step of crucifying the flesh and setting aside time. Yes, that's challenging. But once you get into the presence of God and you start speaking the word of God, you start telling God all that you want and all that you desire. I walk and pray in this church. I walk and shout. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy because I pray loud in my house talking to Jesus. You don't have to do that. That's just how I pray. Amen. But I go to God because I get to talk to God. And he delights in listening to me. He delights on moving on your behalf. Amen. 
One thing that's so awesome, if you look at Daniel's behavior here that I love so much, is he didn't go out piously and say, look at me, I'm going to pray three times still. I'm spiritual because I know my God. You know what the Bible said? He did as he always did before. So we don't get in this pious, well, I am religious, and I pray 50 times a day, and I read the Bible a whole book a day. And God, Jesus hated religious people. He hated the religious spirit because it was never about the works. It was always about the relationship. And we see Daniel display that because God knows I'm not perfect. Thank God I have this relationship with God, the covenant with his word that gives me the power to pray and have changed manifest in my life. Not because I'm perfect. Thank you, Jesus. Right, But what I also liked about Daniel when you look is he didn't open up and say, oh, I'm not going to pray to you, king. I'm going to make a stand, and I'm going to pray to my God no matter what you have to say. He wasn't attacking about it either. So to be careful, he just opened up his windows, and he lived his life like he always lived his life. He didn't change anything. He didn't have to make big statements or big declarations. No, he just had his relationship with Jesus. Amen. Just be consistent in your walk with God. Live the life with Jesus. Amen. Stay the same. I'm going to share this with you. You have nothing to prove. I think as Christians, we have to be mindful. You don't have to prove anything to nobody. Let God vindicate you. Let God's word shine in your life. Let God be the one that speaks through you in your life, amen? Because God can make you shine way better than you could ever do it yourself. And what I love about Daniel, we learned this in week one, is Daniel in week one prepared in advance before he ate the king's delicacies. He decided in advance, I'm not going to be defiled by the king's delicacies. So when he showed up to the opposition, he was already in his heart said, that's not what I'm going to do. And what you see here is he prepared in advance, I'm going to continue to pray. I'm not going to be rattled in my relationship with God. I'm going to keep praying. And I've learned in my walk with God that I have to predetermine that I'm going to get in the word of God. Every day I have to determine that this is going to be important in my life. Now, not my study for you all, because obviously I'm in the word to prepare the vision for this church, but I'm talking about me and Jesus. Because I have to separate my relationship with God from what I prepare for you. So I have to plan in my day, where's my intimate time with Jesus going to be? Where's my worship with Jesus going to be? Now, when I worked a 9 to 5, I literally scheduled God in my calendar. I'm like, I have to get up early to this meeting. I'm probably going to do it when I get home. I prepared, and more likely I was able to do it if I prepared for it. And that's like everything. So I knew where my Bible is. I still do to this day. My notebook and my pens, it was there. I didn't have to get scattered in the morning. Okay, where's everything at? No, it's there, prepared for me to spend time with God. And I think we need to bring that order back into our life, don't we? It's so easy to get away from. Life is busy, and we get scattered. And so just say, I'm going to commit to if you have to get up an hour early or whatever, or however you have to put God in your life, I'm going to predetermine to make my relationship with Jesus important and a priority in my daily life and whatever that looks like, amen. So I would spend time with the Lord in the morning when I worked a nine-to-five job, and I would set my alarm early, and I knew coffee pot's ready to go. You all know that story already. Coffee's the will of God. Brings in the anointing so much better, Amen. And I would sit down and open up my Bible and my notebook, and I would say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. 
Why? Because I don't need the Logos word to minister to me. I need the revelation of God's word, rhema. So I say, Holy Spirit, come in, show me truth. You know, God can give you one scripture that just ignites your spirit. You may read three of them, and you get a truth from God, and you write that down in your notebook, and that's your word from the day. You don't have to keep reading. Just get your word from Jesus. And even if you don't get anything out of that day, that's okay. Shut your Bible and your notebook. Do it again the next day. And then do it again the next day. And all of a sudden, this pattern of desiring God's word will come back into your life. Because it is hard when you get out of routine in your relationship with Jesus. But I just hear God saying it's time to just open up that word of God again. Maybe you need to put some of those old words away and just allow the new word of God to nurture you, to feed you, to give you life and truth. Amen. We need prayer time with God. Somebody say amen. amen. So how did he stand? He stood strong before men because he knelt before God. We will stand strong before men in this hour because we have knelt before God, because we've spent time with the Lord. It's going to be very hard to stand strong with God's word if we don't know what God's word says. If we don't know the truth, if we don't know our faith, I've been saying this for weeks, you have to know what you believe in God's word so that you can decree God's word in faith believing to help change someone's life. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So you may take some stands. When life gives you more than you can stand, you kneel. When life gives you more than you can stand, let's kneel. You may get a bad report. You may get something from the doctor. Something may be going on with your kids or your marriage. Amen. You're going to make a stand to what God's word has to say. Amen. Number three, rounding the corner today. When you don't know what's right, you can always trust God with the results. And I don't know what's right. I'm going to do the best of my ability to obey you, obey you God. I'm going to trust you with the outcome to what that looks like. Amen. Like I said earlier, Daniel didn't know the end of his story. He was at the beginning of his story, but he had to trust God. All he knew was at 80 years of age, God has never let him down. So he figured if God has always been with me to this point, he's going to be with me all the way to the end. Amen. If, if, I, if he can trust me, I'm going to trust him. And if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him anyway. So very quickly, we know the king was devastated, and he loved Daniel, and now he's got this decree that cannot be stopped. And so Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, which should have been devoured immediately. And the king doesn't eat, and he walks all night, and he's praying to Daniel's God to save him. But what we don't know is when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, we don't know what Daniel did. Wouldn't you love to have, like, a camera in that cave or that den to know, what, what did he do? Did he cuddle with the lion? Like, did they start purring? Like, what happen you know we don't know that we don't know if Daniel worshiped or prayed we have no idea but scripture is clear of what did happen so let's take a look let's take a look at that in, in uh, verse 19 chapter 6 the king showed up he yelled down Daniel did your God save you did your God spare your life you know what I love about King Darius it's like he knew God was going to be for him he ran with anticipation knowing that Daniel has to be alive. And verse 19, and at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. I guess maybe he was a little worried. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 22, my God sent his angel. 
Hey, we're talking about supernatural moving of God. Get out of our natural, amen, and let's know that God is able to send angels and miracles into your life. And he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before your majesty. You know what I love about that is in the law, he did do wrong before the majesty. But the law that David lived under, the word of God, he did nothing wrong. Isn't that powerful? So, okay, so when you honor God, God is with you. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted up from the den, no wound was found on him. Because he trusted in his God. Listen, this battle is temporary. But when you know God is with you in the lion's den and the devil's trying to discourage you, defeat you, bring you down, you just stand there with the glory of God. You can't touch my heart. You can't steal my joy. You can't take my hope. You may be roaring like a lion trying to be a bully in my life, but God is on my side. And I don't know when the deliverer is going to come, but he is coming. Amen. Is that I'm not even wounded. I've been taken care of. When you do what's right, you can always trust God. So what did the king do? He took all the people that false accused him, and they got thrown into the lion's den, and they were devoured immediately, and bones were found at the bottom of the den. And the king issued a decree that everyone in the kingdom should fear the God of Daniel. This, the king... Because a man stood up and said, I will honor God. You will not move me from my faith. They changed the whole nation of the laws, laws of the nation to honor God, Jehovah. Can you imagine what the church would be like today if we say, I'm not going to bow my knee to the laws of the land. I'm going to serve my God. You watch the church of Jesus rise up in power and in glory that God will turn the hearts of the king even for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. This is a supernatural season we're living in. I'm not looking at what I see. I don't serve the God of this world. I obey the laws of it. But I serve God Almighty, and his word is true, and I will not be moved from anything. Woo, that's a powerful church. Kneeling to pray gives you the strength to stand. Amen. What do we need to do as believers? Just put on that whole armor of God. Listen, put aside offenses. Throw them away. Throw them away. The Bible says prophetically that in the last days, many offenses will happen. Listen, that is just a spirit that's trying to rise up in the body of Christ. It's a spirit of offense. If it makes you look at your brother in Christ differently, it's the devil. It's the devil. Who cares if they believe different? I don't care. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Do you want to see revival? I want revival. Let's do that then. Let's run together this race of faith. Let's put on our shoes and do something for Jesus and put everything else on the back burner. Amen. Come together in the unity of the faith. I will herald this until it happens. Amen. Because I'm telling you, listen, church, fall in this church is going to be crazy. God's already showed me. Somebody prophesied a confirmation, didn't know anything about our church, said the fall is going to be a great move of God. Everything that we've been preparing for five years, is going to come to pass. And the devil's tried to really rattle this church, but it's God's church. And all my heart is, is to win this city for Jesus, to see people healed, delivered, set free, just do something for the kingdom. I have no hierarchy or platform I'm trying to stand on. Listen to me. I have no ambition for myself. 
If I did, you would see me all over social media with a thousand videos with my own ambitions. I don't have them. I could be doing that. I don't have a heart for that. My heart is this church and North Phoenix and what God is about to do in this city. That's my mission and that's my call. Amen. Amen. So let's come together on that. Don't let the devil kick you out of the pocket right now. It's a great season in the kingdom of God. All right, let me pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you, God, for all these amazing people here and not able to make it, God, that we are going to come together. We're going to fight for our unity and our faith together, Father God. I pray, Lord, that this next week we are going to just hear this message in our spirit, and we're not going to bow our knee to the devil. We're going to recognize his attacks when it comes, and we're going to stand strong, God. We're going to stand strong just like Daniel did. I will not be moved. That needs to be your, your clarion call this week. I will not be be moved, devil. You're not going to take me from my position. You're not going to steal my joy or my peace. I will not be moved. It's not going to work this time. That's what you have to say. It's not going to work this time because he uses the same tool, the same, the same techniques in our life to discourage us. So, Father, I thank you. And we take a minute to lift up August. Let's just pray for our five-year and the anniversary coming up and our two guests, our two speakers that are coming. Father, we thank you for August. We thank you, God, that five years is the year of, of favor and grace, grace, God. And I thank you that as we are preparing for our August to come, that, Lord, we will bring our friends and our family members and our neighbors. God, we will step out by faith and begin to send out the invite for people to come. That, God, I know that you're going to anoint our speakers with the prophetic word, Father God, with a supernatural move. God, I believe miracles are going to happen those two weeks. I believe, God, you're going to set in motion supernatural things to begin to happen in this house, Father God. That great favor is coming to this house. Great increase is coming to this house. And God, as a church body, we come into agreement with that word, God. We're going to protect the house like the satraps did, Lord God. We're going to protect it from rebellion and from the outsiders trying to come in and destroy it, God. We are going to be a protector of your house in this season. We're going to lift up the arms of this house and the vision, Father God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do what only you can do. Prepare us as we enter into this fall, God. Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say, God. Give us ears to hear. Let us hunger for you again, God. I just, I just hear the Lord say, take a simple step of faith this week. You may look at your life and go, man, I'm so far, so far behind from where I want to be. And God says, don't look at that. Take one step. Add in maybe your Bible time. Add in maybe 10 minutes of worship. Just start small. Because God's saying, all I'm looking for is your heart anyway. I'm not looking for the masses of it. I, I just want your attention turned towards me. And then I'll come in like a flood, says the Lord. So take off the, the religion and the legalism off your heart. Just come into me, says Lord. Come as you are. And I will draw nigh to you. The Lord says, draw nigh to me. I'll draw nigh to you. It's that simple. I just want to invite everyone who needs to come back to Jesus or is here this morning and you've not made the Lord of your life, this is the best opportunity, the best gift we can give you is the gift of eternal life. Jesus is just speaking to your heart today. And if there's some things you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of, just ask him right now. Maybe you're saved and you're like, man, I, I need to repent of that. I need to ask God for having bitterness or offense or unforgiveness. Just tell the Lord. Say, I want it out of my heart, God. I want it all out. I want to embrace you and have joy in this season of my life. 
I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart and into my life. Show me your will. Let me hear your voice and cause me to hunger after you and have a zeal for your house. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, on the 24th, we have Growing Together. It's a three-week class with Pastor Paul. Sign up for it. I don't care if you've been serving Jesus for 50 years. Sign up for the class. One, you need to know what the church is offering so you can invite your friends to be a part of it. And two, it might be something that will really bless and change your life. Amen. It's three Sundays, 9 a.m., no big commitment. And uh, I believe you'll be touched and blessed. Amen. All right, let's welcome Pastor Paul. Yeah.